Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. Thank you for being with us. If you're new with us from Barry Weiss's Honestly, from Hugh Hewitt's radio show, from my Substack, welcome. Thank you for being here. We aim to please. We try to cover the news without freaking you out. It's like a nice morning show vibe here with my friend Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm doing fine, except for the fact that I had, you know, rammed my car against a parking barrier this morning. <laughs> Park, you know what? The parking, camera deceived me. Parking garages will really come out of nowhere. They do. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's white. So the whole thing is white <laughs> on the side. And and again, I banged it. And then rather than just being rational, say, ooh, that, that wasn't good. Let me stop and check out what happened and how to, you know, instead I just yes. rammed it forward and then went back and then I looked and I no- noticed the rear. I said, hey, there was no marking on Look, the fender. Look, I did, I did my, great. In my mind, I pictured like the taillight in the fender. No. And then as I went around the side, the whole like backside above the wheel rim is all white and there's like a slight dent. You gotta, uh, no, I always do it. I always stand back and go, that'll buff out. I, that'll buff out. I mean... <laughs> Do I ever do I ever buff it out? It's answer no. No, I know. I mean, a, you know, a, a Alex, our office manager here, she was telling us. She was telling me that she has one of those things that you can wipe it out. She goes, "Oh, yeah, I got it from my car. I haven't used it yet." She said. So it's the same thing. But for me, it's like when you have to take your car in for service, and it's it's a leased car. You know, they walk around the outside to do an inspection. And for the last, you know, few times, because I've had this car leased, my Subaru Legacy, my manly Subaru Legacy, <laughs> top of the line. That's right, top of the line. You know, it's like no marks. Excellent. You know, now I know they're going to put a big X on the little clipboard. I, like, like I failed. Yeah. You're going to get punished for and this. So that is a downer. But I do. I hate to start on a sad note, but I will. Unfortunately, I, I wanted to extend condolences to the family of a former colleague of ours at the Free Beacon, Connor Beck. I first met Connor, John Miller from the Student Free Press Association and College Fix and a great journalism professor at Hillsdale, and of course, a writer for National Review. I was the intern coordinator at The Standard, I still am now at The Beacon, and he asked me to take this kid on, Connor Beck, and we did, and he was a really nice kid from Portland, or I guess it's what you call East or South Portland, it's the other, just on the other side of the main city. And in fact, his high school track coach was one of my best friend's father-in-law, so World of Small Worlds. Then we went over, when I came over to The Beacon, he had come over to work in the war room and then after that, he had moved on to a number of different places. And the last place he was was Institute for Justice. He died suddenly mm. over the weekend. He was young. He was 27. He was a good kid, like I said. And so our thoughts and prayers go to his family and listeners sending, you know, please send your thoughts and prayers to Connor's family as well. Yes. That's so. really sad to hear. We have a lot of mutual friends and I That's appreciated his work at the the Beacon and at IJ which is one of my yeah. favorite and most most worthy organizations That's doing right. doing great legal work so he did great work there, there. just shocking and it is too it is young. it was unexpected but how are you I am all right you have a wonderful varsity jacket by the way on oh thank you this is from goodwill as are as most of my clothing oh i thought it was um, from your quarterback husband no you know you, you get to wear the pin look look how little this is would this okay. fit that's a true point my broad-shouldered yeah. husband no, that's right that's right it would fit me perfectly i'm actually contractually obligated to describe him that way it's in our it was in our marriage vows broad-shouldered my husband broad yes. shoulder. You, you wrote your own vows of course. my yes. brave and broad-shouldered husband Speaking of my brave and broad-shouldered husband, he has saved me on two occasions in the past 24 hours. One, I mean, these are both very MK moves. I was giving the baby a bath last night, which I do occasionally. Not often, I would say. But, you know, 
We try to fit it in. Oh, and the baby, they don't bathe every day. Ah, they're not that dirty. No, no, no. So I gave her a, gave her a bath, and this will teach me to bathe my kids. I was, of, of course I had my phone with me, because you need your phone yeah, while you're yeah. giving the baby a bath. Oh, no. And I went to rescue something that she had dumped in the bath, which of course would have been of no consequence. It's probably a shampoo bottle or something. Oh, okay. And I moved the wrong hand, and the phone took a dunk. And look, okay, I've had a good run. I used to break phones like once every four months, okay? So I've had like a good, maybe more than two-year run of an intact phone. So I'm pretty proud of myself That's to begin good. with. How fast are your reflexes? I got it out real fast. Okay. And right. then out of the case and then dried very, very, very quickly. And then my husband came to the rescue with like, how how best do we remedy whatever, oh, whatever else know, yeah, might be yeah, in here? Because I don't know the methods anymore. Oh, I know you I, used to know do rice method. or rice. whatever. You put right? it in rice. I anyway. got tons of that, as you know. So he he goes through a few of the steps that you do to recover these things. Like I said, it, it wasn't a long dunk. It was a, <laughs> very quick. It was yeah. in a cover. But the that I was, was worried about the charging mechanism. Uh-huh. So we do our best to dry it out using like non-invasive techniques and overnight it died i didn't want to plug it in because the, oh, I, I, you know you, it'll you tell always, you it'll oh, tell you no, don't no, do that no 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 so i didn't want to plug it and in did you press any buttons to the, check it was working no. it was working okay. so really? after immediately after i got it out it's doing fine but i expected the patient to take a turn and the patient took a turn really <laughs> overnight and it it ran out of batteries and then i plugged it in this morning and it wouldn't charge and i was like oh, okay no. well i'll just i'm gonna have to yeah. to go yeah. repair it it's like there's a nominal fee for a repair mm-hmm. at the repair shop. I was like, I'll, I'll just go do that today. But my husband tried another method this morning, a little far, far away sort of hair dryer situation in case there was any more moisture in that port. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not close up because then you blow the moisture into the uh, phone. Right. Look, yes. it's not an exact science. But <laughs> I'm learning. I'm listening right now. I'm what I know gripping. is that it's now charging and working. So, so what, what did he do? Just a, put a put a blow dryer on the counter, dryer. like sort of oh, far okay. away from it. Last night we also ran a long YouTube video, so it would heat up. I don't know if any of these are the right thing to do. <laughs> is that right? All I know <laughs> is this is a sample of one. Okay, and it worked. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Like I said, very short talk. So th- he took care of that. Please consult your local, you know, technology mm-hmm. consultant. Mm-hmm. I this would, is like yes. when I give COVID advice. <laughs> please, please consult your local technology consultant. But this is what worked for me. And then I had lost a pair of boots inside the house for like five or six days. And I was like, wow, that's impressive even for me. And they're my favorite boots. It's not like I don't wear Mm -hmm. them very often. Mm -hmm. Totally lost. He found them and he was like, have you checked the hall closet? And I was like, that that actually, now that you mentioned it, is quite intuitive and I should have done that. And I pulled them right out and then held on to them, held them hostage while he made fun of me for several minutes. He's two for two. He's on a roll. Yeah. What can he do? I mean, he comes back from, he's an American hero. He comes back from he's Florida, and now he's finding my shoes and, and fixing my phone. That's so. it. By the way, that, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 your, your varsity jacket, your letter jacket that you're wearing, it's like the same one that Cary Green wore, I think, in The Goonies. Oh, it's very Troy. Or, yeah, I should put oh, Troy. Troy. Oh, wow. You, should, remember the, oh, you remember the name. Yeah, it's Troy, right? I should put yeah. Troy on my. Yeah, yeah. Or from Lucas. Em- embroider it. Or from Lucas. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that actress at the time. Okay, what's happening? <laughs> All right. There are other things. Oh, I will say one more thing. I-, I went to go see my kid perform yesterday at school. And little kids singing. I can't- I'm not a crier, guys. I'm not a crier until I see little children singing. What were they singing? If God is with me, who can be against me? Oh. 
And particularly if they're singing in church or something. Oh. Uh-huh. That got you. I can't hold it together. I had to excuse myself. These poor women sitting next to me, the fellow moms are like, my gosh, she doesn't she doesn't normally seem like a giant weirdo. Had to leave and go retrieve some tissue paper so that I wouldn't have mascara all over my face. And the problem is it's a sort of a cycle, and I may have mentioned this before, is that I cry so hard and I can't keep it under control. And then I'm laughing at myself for crying because it's yeah. so ridiculous. And then, it, and then that's another mm-hmm. thing. So I It's a combination of tears of yes. levels of laughter and, and <laughs> it's just, and they're just like shaking yes. and now I'm a, I'm a spectacle. And so I <laughs> I took video of my daughter, but I took it from like way back and I'm sure all the grandparents are like, "Why why are you so far back?" And the truth is, I'm so far back because if I go closer, A, I'll probably cry more. And B, I will be on everyone else's iPhone video making a spectacle of myself. So I'm way at the back, like, <laughs> trying to keep it under wraps while I'm videotaping. I saw this happen with Kate once, my wife, because I think the kids were singing. It was like a winter a winter concert. Yeah. And I was all the little kids, so like second, third so, graders. So and it was, cute. you know what it was? It was a song from Polar Express, <sighs> whatever that song is. And Beautiful. Like, oh, okay. Beautiful. All right. So it's, uh, there's a lot of things that probably should make me cry that don't, but that one that yes. one puts yeah. me over the edge. All righty. We got news. We got news, everybody. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. From the grocery store to the gas station, working families are getting hammered by rising prices. But instead of focusing on inflation, Congress is pushing anti-innovation legislation that will impose more financial burdens on working people and seniors. Their misguided agenda could cost public pension plans $109 billion. Teachers, firefighters, and nurses would pay the heaviest price. Congress needs to focus on inflation and leave American workers alone. First of all, I just want to say I have a, I'm going to do a gut check like a month out of the election. During August, we heard a lot about, you know, the red wave was going to get buried. Oh, yeah. The blue wave the was back. coming up against the red wave. Dobbs, a lot of that. Was it evil Brandon, dark Brandon? Yeah, dark yeah, Brandon. Yeah. A lot of that you've seen sort of wash out. The The Dobbs effect is not as large as people no. thought it might be. You know, other other folks had predicted that this might be the case yeah. and that people would come home and then at the end probably break to the out of party, out mm-hmm. of power party, which is Republicans. I tend to think that a lot of these on the edge races, even the dicey Senate races, are going to end up red. Yeah. That's where I am right now. Maybe uh, I'm wrong. No, I, I think I think so too. I was talking to another one of our one of our colleagues here who thinks, for example, the Dave Washerman predictions, whenever they say it's going from likely to, to lean Democrat or the other way around, right? right? I mean, if it's got you know, toss up to like lean Republican, that means it's gonna be likely. That's the assumption. It's right. actually more if you look at, for example, the race in Rhode Island, the congressional seat in Rhode Island, where the Asian American Republican yes. Fung, yes, who is the he is not the incumbent, he's challenging the the Democratic congressman. He's up every single poll, including the latest, which I believe was a Melman poll, Democratic poll, and has him up still three that's four points. Remarkable. Which they're calling Democrats are saying it's a toss up, but the fact that Fung is up by three or four yeah, points that's remarkable in Rhode Island. Another it place is. that is remarkable and this sort of coming up as a surprise for some is the state of Oregon. Where the, oh, gov- yeah. where the governor's race, some house races, all looking redder. That's right. Than they expected. There's also a, there's also a, quite a good nominee 
against uh, Patty Murray, who's the incumbent. Smiley. Senate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Smiley. Colorado, in fact. Joe Day versus Michael Bennett. And that one's, yeah, that one's getting a little bit, but not maybe so this not. Is, I was talking to my Colorado friend the other day, mm-hmm. and she's like, I think everything's going to pan out but Colorado. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. But anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> Nevada, certainly. Catherine Cortez Masto, who is the incumbent Democrat, I think she is in trouble Yeah. from Adam Laxalt. Well, here's where we – that's that's sort of my gut feeling, just to check in with you guys. Yeah. But one of the most important races is this Pennsylvania race, Senate. It is Dr. Oz of TV fame versus John Fetterman, who's the lieutenant governor of the state and was a mayor of a small town before that. Fetterman, as we've covered on the show, had a major stroke this year, just mm-hmm. as the primary was ending for the Democrat in the Republican side, and then was off the campaign trail for quite a long time, recovering. Yeah. There is, he has released a letter from his doctor saying he can serve. Not a ton of records no. outside of that. And this is very major. I mean, there's he has a pacemaker now. It was a it was a large event. And as a, as we've always said, I I hope for the a complete recovery for him. Sure, absolutely. In the meantime, though, voters do need to have access to him and to information about him in order to make mm-hmm. this decision. Well, one network attempted to get them some of that information. A reporter with NBC. Her first name's Dasha. What's her last name? Burns. Dasha, Dasha Burns. Burns. Dasha Burns went, got in a room with mm-hmm. Fetterman. She did the first face-to-face interview with him of any journalist. And the NBC crew gave him an accommodation, which was she would do it with closed captioning because yeah. he's having some auditory processing issues after the stroke. Sure. So that she would answer, ask questions. They would show up on a screen in front of him and he would answer them. But in the run-up to playing video. She talks about her experience with him, and this is what she said. And I'll say, Katie, that just in some of the small talk prior to uh, the interview, before the closed captioning was up and running, it did seem that uh, he had a hard time understanding our our conversation. So. That little thing. Well, <laughs> and the, the interview itself, you know, he stumbles at times, and look, yeah. this is part of his recovery process. But it's also part of what voters should see and understand. Right. Right. Well, yesterday, the talking points coalesced very quickly Oh, that it is ableist basically to talk about John Fetterman's health. It's ableist to interview him, essentially. Yeah. And then there were a bunch of reporters who said, I, I interviewed him. A lot of them explicitly left of center. I interviewed him. He was fine. And Burns points out, I'm the only one who's been in a room with him. Exactly. And that is important. Yeah. That is important. I thought she largely did a nice job with a tough assignment and got information that voters need. And then when she's reporting on their conversation, that's reporting. The viciousness of the reaction to her pointing out, to her wanting to be transparent is really quite something else. And you're seeing people jump on this the way it, it reminded me. I'll tell you, the first thing that came to my mind was the exchange between Kay and Michael Corleone in Godfather Part Two, right? It's at the end, and Kay's talking about the son, Anthony, and she's saying, you know, he's not well. And Michael Al Pacino, Michael Corleone, immediately just shoots back, he's fine, he's fine, Anthony's fine, there's nothing wrong with him, you know, like, end of discussion, don't ever bring him up again. And that's how I feel like everybody's, you know, rushing to his defense. As you were saying, this is the first in-person interview. The other interviews, everyone says, well, they interviewed him, and they said he was great. Yes, they were using a computer. Yeah, I mean... It- it matters. Were they disclosing that? You know, I understand like the Fetterman strategy, right? The Fetterman strategy is I had the setback. 
but I'm on the mend and every day I'm getting better and, you know, really equate it with like the king's speech. Right. You know, I mean, that's kind of a thing. Which is, a, for, which is a pitch you can make. You can pitch, you can make that pitch except for, I don't know, as if you were a Pennsylvania voter, are you convinced he's getting better every day? And to what extent, uh, to what extent is the damage? And the thing is, they don't know. We don't know because they have not released all the relevant yeah. medical records. Well, and, and meanwhile, he says, look, we've been very transparent. And she pushed him, said, well, actually, <laughs> records right. have not been released, just this right. letter. And there was a very, very friendly... To the point of fawning, I believe it was a New York Times Magazine piece on him yeah. this week. That a New York Magazine, right? The New York, York Magazine yeah, yeah. that's that was basically like, he's amazing in every way. Yeah. How would anyone ever ask a question right. about him? And it's like well, they, the portrait of him was like, you know, I Andy mean, you, Leibowitz, good. You know, it's, you could not pay for this kind of coverage. I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> so. At any rate, amazing sort of coalescing of reporters. To say that Burns is in the wrong here for pointing yeah. this out and that this is the same as wearing glasses if you're a senator oh, or yeah. or if you have another disability. Okay, look, guys, he had a major stroke while the campaign was happening. He has been absent from the trail for a long time. We don't have a ton of information that is materially different than someone, for instance, who is running who might be in a wheelchair. You this have that information thing. from the very beginning. The number beginning. of people who are likening this, equating this to FDR, so yeah. imagine her in 1932 pointing out this. The issue about him being able to serve is, is about his mind, not his ability yes. to walk. Yes. And, a, and a cognitive auditory yeah. issue is something that we should talk about. Mm -hmm. But apparently that's not the thing anymore. The AP went so far as to write... A, the AP pounced, I would argue. They, they AP the AP, pounced. Yeah, AP they pounced. NBC reporters comment about Fetterman draws criticism. When's the last time you saw the AP do a press criticism yeah. story? Yeah, I feel that strongly Interesting. Interesting. An NBC News correspondent who interviewed Pennsylvania candidate John Fetterman... By the way, professional jealousy. She's the first one who got mm -hmm. a real interview with him, so yeah. part, of, part of this was driven by that. Says an on-air remark she made about him having difficulty following part of their conversation should not be seen as a commentary on his fitness for office as he suffered a stroke. Well, yes, she's just reporting. Yeah. You can decide. Can she, can she mention what she saw and witnessed? But reporter Dasha Burns' comment that Federer appeared to have trouble understanding small talk prior to their interview has attracted attention and Republicans have retweeted. Oh, that's the real problem. Yeah. Have retweeted it as they seek yeah, they an pounce. advantage in the closely followed Senate race between Federer and Republican Mehmet Oz. By the way, Fetterman remains up three or four points, but because he's been absent from the trail and because this happened, it's much smaller margin oh, yeah. than it was yeah. a couple of months ago. <sighs> People even who if are... If Oz was a better candidate, man. Yeah, really... right, right. That would help. People even have said, have referenced Tammy Duckworth, who is a senator who does have a disability, mm -hmm. who lost her legs in Iraq. Iraq? Yes. In war and, and combat and, and said... That like uh, this is equivalent to that. Well, what they miss because they're like they forgot their history before Trump became president. Like basically everybody forgot anything but Trump. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> is that she won against a Republican candidate who had had a stroke, and media at that time. Oh, this is going to shock you. Yeah. It's going to shock you, Vic. Media at that time said he should not be yeah. elected because Unfit. of. The damage he suffered right. from that stroke. Oh, it's so strange. It's like it wasn't able as then. Do you think then. they actually forget it? Do 
Do you think this is deliberate? Do you think they really no. just forget it's gone in their minds? I, I because do they think they hate to actually realize how they're contradicting themselves. I mean, I think a lot of the activists were just saying Duckworth because she mm-hmm. has a disability that we all know mm-hmm. about and mm-hmm. that doesn't prevent her from doing her job at all, mm-hmm. right? So that's a right. that's a favorable talking point for you. And unless you know what ha- yeah, that she opponent. beat an opponent who had had a large stroke. Yeah. That's a pretty important part of this. And as far as the media goes, I try, I try to be charitable. But in this case, it's just he was a Republican. Therefore, that's not okay. This guy's a Democrat. Right. Therefore, don't don't talk about it. It's ableist to talk about. It. Yeah. This is what we do really well on this show, by the way. <laughs> so I'm trying to imagine if you're a Fetterman supporter, I think there's like basically maybe two or three scenarios why you're voting. One, you think, oh, he's going to get better. Everything is fine. Okay, so that's one. The other one is, frankly, even with limited cognitive capacities, I'd still prefer him over Dr. Oz, no matter what. No matter how bad it is, then a fully functioning Dr. Oz is much more dangerous. I much much prefer this guy's policy prescriptions, and therefore I don't really care about that part. And the third is the wild conspiracy of Vote for Fetterman, and shortly after that, he may then come to the realization that he cannot, he is unable to, you know, fully serve. And then the new Democratic governor, Josh Shapiro, will then, will then appoint, appoint a Democrat. Ta-da. That's that's the theory. I'm just saying that's what I hear on the streets. That seems like it. That seems like it could backfire in several ways. <laughs> yeah. Including if Shapiro didn't happen to win, although he's he's running a pretty competent campaign that's reaching out to a lot of right of center voters. How big a deal is this debate going to be? It's this week, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it's the end of this week. Voting has already happened. Yeah, it's been happening for quite some time. The debate will matter a lot. And look, I thought the debates between Trump and Biden would matter a lot, and Biden performed far better than I thought he would. Yeah, and so that might be Trump's performance in the first debate of 2020 was horrendous. So. Yes. But Biden also actually was fine. Yeah. Right. Which is where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. So there is a problem there. There can be a problem with expectations setting for that campaign. Oh, yeah. And realizing like, oh, right. if we he, set the bar really low for him. If the bar is like if he can strip, if, if Fetterman can like, string words together, you know, subject and verb, everyone's like, oh, wow. Well, better than I thought, because I imagine it'd be so much worse and everything is fine. Which is why Oz in the upcoming debate should not really be focusing on any sort of slurring or stuttering that that he should leave that alone. The real focus is even with Fetterman healthy, the crime policies are a real issue. Yeah. Philly is a mess. You know, crime overall is a mess. And of course, Fetterman served on that, was head of the parole board, you know, and wants to reduce the prison population. So that is the thing that Oz should be focusing on. Also, I should say, in a couple of these, races where I've listened in on debates where I haven't been super tuned into the race. Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly is mm-hmm. one out in Arizona, where you get the constant message that this GOP candidate is like very, oh, so bad, so right. bad. Right. And then I then I like watch the highlights of this debate with Mark Kelly. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. Well, again, quite good the at reverse, debating. The reverse of those expectations, yet again, for the other side. Right. They're expecting that he was going to be this, you know, crazy Trumper, and the focus is on, you know. Right. And same thing with J.D. Vance, by the way. Oh, that's, now another, that's another one who... Distancing himself yeah. after Trump said that he was, you know, kissing his butt. So, that really, <laughs> you couldn't resist. 
right. Well, I saw a tweet that rang true to me the other day, and I apologize for not being able to give credit, but it said, uh, why is it that the, that the people most concerned about, and I'm not directing this at J.D. Vance per se, just like the, the general, mm-hmm. those co- most concerned about the crisis of masculinity let Trump emasculate them yeah. so often. Yeah. And that is, he has a way of doing that. It's just like, here, walk out on this limb. Walk out right. on this limb for me. Ooh, I'm going to cut it off. They're, and now I'm going to make fun of you for falling out of this tree. Yeah, they're on stage together. Yeah. I mean, it was, ugh. okay. Anyway, I had to take a sip of coffee. That's fine. <laughs> I'm a professional, Vic. Not a problem. We're professional. Okie doke. Moving on. Another person with big challenges. Yeah, with some. Shall we say? Yes, there was a New York Times story. This is this is a now it can be told, don't you yeah. think? Yes. Like let's let's go ahead and just just admit what's happening here. The New York Times covering President Joe Biden with the headline: Biden, comma storyteller in chief. Spins yarns that often unravel. <laughs> okay, let me just, I'm just going to read the beginning of this to you guys. Please. Standing in front of Floridians who had lost everything during Hurricane Ian, President Biden on Wednesday recalled his own house being nearly destroyed 15 years ago. We didn't lose our whole ho- home, but lightning struck and we lost an awful lot of it, he said. Mr. Biden was, has mentioned the incident before, once saying that he knows what it's like having had a house burned down with my wife in it. That's a quote. In fact, news reports at the time called it little more than a small fire that was contained in the kitchen and quoted the local Delaware fire chief as saying the fire was under control in 20 minutes. I thought Biden went in there and got everybody out. Oh, yeah, out. No, saved everyone. Like, yeah. This is not an isolated incident. As you and I know, the New York Times is now letting everyone else know. The exaggerated biography that Mr. Biden tells includes having been a fierce civil rights activist who's repeatedly arrested. Yeah. He has claimed to have been an award-winning student who earned three degrees. And last week, speaking on the hurricane-devastated island of Puerto Rico, he said he had been, quote, raised in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. Mm-hmm. For more than four decades, Mr. Biden has embraced storytelling as a way of connecting with his audience, often emphasizing the truth of his account by adding, not a joke, in the middle of a story. Here's the, here's the real winner of a line. This is poetry. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Biden's folksiness can veer into folklore with dates that don't quite add up and details that are exaggerated or wrong. The factual edges shaved off to make them more powerful for audiences. You see, it's really it's really an audience service that he's doing, Vic. He's just he's just helping us. Right. That, that's the point. And it's also to make you feel good. So what's wrong with that? <laughs> I love how they use the term yarns, you know, because yeah. that's an old, good old Joe. Oh, just a grandpa story. Yeah, you know, it gets a little carried away. <laughs> Except that he's been doing it since he was in his 20s. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, so. that's well, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, remember, this goes back to his presidential campaign, and I guess it was 1988, and where he had uh I guess that would be plagiarized. his 30s. His 30s, yeah. when he plagiarized. Yeah, he plagiarized. And, and so there's really nothing new here. It was, that was not the exception. And don't forget also... It, Telling Annapolis grads that he almost we basically went to Annapolis. He could have gone to Annapolis. Oh yeah, Remember yeah, that yeah. One? that's yeah, a good yeah, one. Yeah. No, there's so there are so many, so and many. There, then there's of course there's three paragraphs of throat clearing about how Trump's lying is way way worse. So don't worry, guys, it's super 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 worse. In the grand yeah grand scheme, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm, I'm not convinced that's actually true. Like, <laughs> he's been doing this for. Yeah, a long Decades, time. Okay, so if you added up all of the public office, public facing lies, right? I I think you could probably argue volume for Donald Trump. Yeah. 
Donald Trump certainly has sometimes has a meanness to his falsehoods, but Biden does also. Yeah. That's the thing that people like in the in the sort of re the the reimagining of Joe during the Obama administration as like friendly old guy is is very different from the person that he was before. And there is a lie he's told repeatedly, which actually isn't mentioned in here, where he says that the driver who was involved in the crash that killed his family was drunk. That's not true. Uh-huh. He has repeated that many times, and I find that to be such a gross yeah. way of dealing with a terrible, a terrible, terrible tragedy, thing. It's, it's bad enough. It's bad enough. You don't and have that's to the thing about exaggerating. Like, so I think like, we don't need the throat clearing about Trump, and mm-hmm. there's an ethicist in here who says, like, hey, maybe like comparing to Donald Trump for the, the level of truthiness mm-hmm. is not a great idea to like improve everyone's ethics. True. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. right. And, and as you know, then what usually happens is after he says these things, you have a White House press briefing with Queen Jean-Pierre, and then they put her on the spot, and she comes up with some crazy excuse of what he really meant. Right, 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 right. Every time. I, I, just, I have to read a couple more package, passages. Please. Cause Please. Two, two days before his remarks in Fort Myers, Florida, Mr. Biden made his comments about the Puerto Rican community back at home in Delaware as he toured the destruction on the island. I'm one of you, he seemed to be saying. But Mr. Biden made not a single mention of Puerto Rico in either of his biographies. Officials could not point to specific instances when Mr. Biden had worked on issues involving the island, though Ted Kaufman, Mr. Biden's former chief of staff, defended his close friend's description, saying Mr. Biden had personally engaged with Puerto Ricans early in his career. The Puerto Ricans of Delaware. Cool, cool. Okay. (laughs) And then again, they're like, Trump is so much worse. And also this goes back to 1987. He's been doing it systematically since then. So like... Okay, we mentioned the plagiarizing, which he did from speeches during that early run. 32 years later, as he campaigned for the presidency in 2019, Mr. Biden described how he had traveled to Afghanistan to pin a silver star on the Navy captain for retrieving the body of a fellow American from a 60-foot ravine. The Washington Post points out it was an Army specialist, not a Navy captain. Former President Barack Obama, not Mr. Biden, awarded the soldier the Presidential Medal of Honor, not the silver star. And the ceremony took place at the White House, not in Afghanistan. You know, I mean, again, it's just a few finer points. No, I mean, you know, it it was I remember people pointing out how Ronald Reagan strangely talked about being, you know, you know, serving in World War Two. I mean, he did all the propaganda, the important propaganda movies about World War Two in order to promote, you know, service. But he was not actually there. And, you know, but people reminded you of this constantly of that one thing. This is a lot of things. It's a lot of things. And it's not. And speaking of like the war on terror. And people who died in combat. Yes, he was just yesterday uh-huh. speaking, and he al- he always does this during like some of these are harmless, right? Like I I had a chat with my mom on the Amtrak, mm-hmm. and it turns out that was like four years after his sure. mom passed away. Okay, well that didn't happen, but maybe you just got the date wrong or whatever. I get it. We remember things differently. This one has always bothered me, and this is whenever he's in a military setting, right? Or he's being criticized for something militarily. Mm-hmm. He goes to his veteran son who served honorably and then died tragically yeah. of brain cancer stateside. This is what he said yesterday about him. I say this as a father of a man who won the Broad Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Do you think people looked at each other? Because they don't have cameras on the audience. They were like, did uh, he just say that? Biden's late son, Bo Biden, who, again, served honorably and died yeah. tragically yes. of brain cancer, did not die in combat. He did not die in Iraq. 
Biden repeatedly has made this implication, and it is not good. No. It's not a thing you should fudge. Yeah. It's a thing you should know very clearly. It's a thing that's important to the military mm-hmm. community. Military community makes this distinction, yeah. as it should, and he should not keep making this mistake, question mark? Yeah. It's wrong. I mean, how do you explain this one away if you're Corinne Jean-Pierre? Oh, well, I noted on Twitter that he shouldn't do this. And some some simps showed up to tell me he's talking about the burn pits. I was like, no, he's not. No, he's not, guys. He's not. And he's uh, talking about his son, saying his son yeah, they, died in Iraq. I guess their I guess their allegation is that he would have he he got something there that then caused the cancer. But oh, that's this is, deep. Yeah, it's a it's a reach. It's a reach. But yes, uh, to answer your question, the ridiculous thing that they say—that's the ridiculous that's thing that they say. But I don't know. Might, she might I don't know that. that she'll say that. Okay. She'll probably just say deflect in the way that's quite easy to deflect, which is mm-hmm. that he served honorably, and this is something that is, weighs on the president's mind, especially when he's with military families. But the thing is that it discounts yeah the Those experiences who actually of military families who lose people right in combat right, right. and he shouldn't do it. So just a, just a yarn that he yeah, lost track just, of. That's a, he, you know, he, hey, you know, good old Joe. Next month, good old Joe turns 80. They say, you know, normally the 80th birthday is a big one. You know, my father-in-law's was a big to-do. Everybody was at a big party. They say that this is going to be a very subdued affair. My question to you, Mary Catherine, the birthday cake, will it have, like, Big to do, 80 candles, and hey, mm-hmm. come on, grandkids. Well, not all the grandkids, but most of the grandkids help blow out Actually, these candles. Hunter's a, Hunter seems quite welcome. Y- yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Obviously, he's his son, but he shows up at a lot of White House events. He, he does, events, he does. I'm, like, I'm, I'm talking about the grandkids. I'm talking about oh. the grandkids. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes, they, well, yes, I forgot yes, about yes, that. Yeah, yes. that's what, thank you. And the question is, will it be all 80 candles, big to do, or will it be two candles, like eight and zero, the little wick? What do you I think? Mean, look. At the White House, you have a lot of staff. Oh, huge. I think you go 80 candles. However, somebody's got to blow them out. Yeah. And in the age of COVID and the lung capacity of, over. of a President it's all Biden. It's on the top of that icing. I'm not sure that that's a wise decision. So I I would probably, if I were doing advance work, mm-hmm. I think I'd go with the eight and the zero. <laughs> but a really nice looking eight and zero. Okay. Yeah, no, like gilded. Gilded, You want yeah, a yeah, very yeah. nice uh-huh. one. Yeah. And no prank candles, the one that keep on, you know, reigniting. Don't, yep. That's that's very mean. <laughs> that's mean. mean. No, this is, again, I, by the way, didn't didn't we learn, wasn't the thing during the Trump administration that you should just say, it used to be observed that you you would say someone's like spreading falsehoods or you would say he's, he's being dishonest, but you wouldn't say lie. And during the Trump years, it was like, you just got to say that he lied. You got to say it out loud. Yeah. And it's like, I did plenty of times, right? Because he was lying. Now we're shaving the factual edges mm-hmm. again. We're not lying somehow. Yeah. Let's treat them the same. Democracy dies sometimes in darkness, <laughs> but not all the time. Not, not all the time. Sometimes it dies in dust. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. A quick update on Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, yeah. The former presidential candidate and uh, Democratic presidential candidate and a uh, former congresswoman from the state of Hawaii announced that she's leaving the Democratic Party. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party, she said on an episode of her podcast. It's now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness. Yeah. That rhetoric is not messing around. No, it's not. Do you remember the photo of her on the beach with the surfboard? 
No, but oh, I'm sure you do. I do. And I looked, I thought about her and I said, welcome aboard. But no, I was going to say, <laughs> kidding. I do hope her her views continue to evolve, particularly her views with, I don't know, Putin, for yeah. example. So a little bit. Hmm? So Gabbard, okay. Gabbard to me is an interesting yeah, thinker. Interesting, yeah. And I like interesting thinkers. And sure. there's sometimes when she's like, you know sat down with Assad years ago where I'm like, hmm, that's not yeah. the interesting thinking I was looking for. How, I'm, I'm, yeah. However, I do think she pushes back in really interesting ways. She became sort of a, a national figure when she bucked the DNC by getting out of her position there and backing Bernie. Yeah. And I just find her sort of fascinating. And then, and then uh, during the Democratic primaries in 2020, she had gone after Kamala Harris. Yes. On drugs, on yeah, on drugs, on which mar- we haven't even mentioned her her big her big one eighty on the on the ganja That's, in the last um, yes, two weeks. Hers, of course, famously, and and Gabbard Tulsi Gabbard, her ammo that she used to go after Kamala was, of course, a report from the Free Beacon. And there maybe that was the turning point for her. You know, that's that? that's often it is a beacon, as we say. It is. It is. It's called a beacon for a reason, I mean, guys. It, it's not a surprise. Of we course. begin our insidious work, and then yeah, and the, years it later, percolating. It's percolating. <laughs> but but like, I mean, didn't she once host a Fox is outnumbered? I think so. I mean, she's been on Fox friendly, shall we say? So it's not a surprise. Also, her decision is not. It's it's it, it's not like this big tectonic shift, right? It's not. Remember Jim Jeffords. When he decided that he it was, I right, think it was right. Jim Jeffords. Was it Jim Jeffords who decided yes. to become a, a, a full-on Democrat? Jump, jump in Jim Jeffords, yeah, as a, uh, Rush Limbaugh and used that tipped and that tipped the scales to the Democrats and giving them party in the Senate or after '94, right? Shelby, right. Richard Shelby, Ben Eithos, Campbell, they joined up with the Republicans, and that was a huge margin, right? And they're in power. It's like 55 to 45 or more than that at the time. She's not in Congress. Right, right. But it'll be interesting to see well, where she goes and, and how I think, her views. And I think much like Ben Sass, who will be leaving the Senate to go be the president of University of Florida, mm-hmm. if that all pans out, yeah. it's, I think that They're is protesting a that. They're protesting Pro- that. Well, and protesting would be one thing, which is what you're supposed to do in college and uh-huh. is a free speech activity. The other fun thing they did was try to shout him down, of course, because you can't you can't protest him by asking a tough mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. of the Republican senator who's then going to become your university president. You have to you mm-hmm. have to make sure he can't be heard because that's the yeah, he's he's harmful. Are they are they mad that he voted to impeach Trump? Is that what this? Yeah, I don't are? know what the, hmm. the issue is. Anyway, Interesting. the point being, I do think some of these people who are good speakers, charismatic and have been politicians in the past, are looking to other places, partly, obviously there's the part that like mm. not being in Congress might be more fun, but also that they might be more effective as a university president sure. or as a spokesperson. Like she's she's a magnetic personality. She's great on TV. She gets views. Tulsi. She gets listens. Yeah. Yes, Tulsi Gabbard. And she's just like, well, this electoral stuff was not really doing it for me. Right. Except for when she showed up in that white suit and dropped bombs on everybody, ironically, because she's a <laughs> peacemaker. Yes, and 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 she's Sa- against the dropping of bombs in general. But and Sass, former college, yeah. you know, president, then became, and now is back. Being this is what he does. He knows he, he, he should know what he's, doing. what he's doing. Assuming the students allow him. Yeah. In. Well, maybe he'll maybe he'll teach them about the difference between making a protest and yeah. and shouting someone down. Amazing. Anyway, so uh, Tulsi's. Tulsi's out of the party, but she's not out of our our minds and hearts. On a lighter note, but as you say, democracy dies in darkness. Perhaps it dies in the fat, bare week voting <laughs> because there was a scandal, a scandalo 
In the Fat Bear Week competition, this is a competition that pits, well, what else? A bunch of fat bears against each other, seen in the wild. And then the people vote. The people vote to see who's the fattest bear. Uh Or maybe the fattest and best looking bear. I don't know. But there was a scandal involved. There's no fat bear shaming. No, no, no. This is not a shame thing. No, this, this is, is this like, is a, yeah, yeah, they're owning it. Yes. Okay. In the end, a bear named 747 won. He's the largest bear on the Brooks River in Katmai National Park. And he overcame 901's insurgent push. And this is in Alaska. To repeat his 2020 yeah. title. But what, ha- what had happened was, in the scandal, there was 9,000 spam boats that they were able to detect before the final mm-hmm. counting. Mm-hmm. Those spam votes went to a bear named Holly. So I don't know what kind of what kind of situation Holly is running, but she was she's no doubt perpetuating the big lie now after this voting when she lost she lost to 747. So you you know how they figured this out, don't you? How? They were able to detect the fraud votes using a geo tracking system for the cell phones. That where they were doing the voting near the bear ballot box. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong story. That's that's next week. <laughs> they had they had that's video. Next week. Yeah. Video yeah, no, yeah, of nice the, little old ladies carrying the, the geo tracking. Yes, away. the geo tracking is geo tracking. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. There's sorry. a documentary on it. I think. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. Bears. This is really interesting. Uh, these are big bears, and it's Alaska. So I mean, we're talking about massive. And you know, I remember I'd spend time up in the Catskill Mountains with my high school buddies in the cabin. Not the Catskills like Grossingers, but like yeah. in the woods, you know, where there's no electricity or anything. You're far from everything in the mountains. And I mean, the worst thing that can happen is a black bear. Obviously, you're not going to see a grizzly up there. And nevertheless, I was always scared. We would see bear prints, but I was always scared because they would say, you can't outrun a bear. So the oh, best no. thing to do is you play, play dead. And then just if they come up to you and sniff you, don't move. And then if they swipe you and attack, just pretend you're dead even while they're clawing at you. That wouldn't work for me. No, it doesn't sound no. fun. No. I had one close encounter with a bear. Ooh. It was a black bear, but it was it was out it was out west. I've seen I've seen a grizzly and cubs, but from very far away, yes. way up a mountain. They were down sure. in a valley and I was up in the mountain, uh-huh. so it was like you know fast, the charging would have been yeah, would have been so problematic, but uh. everybody was pretty safely watching and taking pictures from a, from a very far distance. But I did run into one on a trail one time, about a quarter mile into a twenty mile hike, which is really nerve wracking. Now I could have turned around and gone back, but not I, not I, Vic. I was like, I'm going to do the rest of this hike. You it was about he was just sitting on the trail eating some food, and I came around a corner and was like, "Ooh, that's what they do, I guess." And then uh, and then. He, at one point, he or she—I don't know—I would not—I would not presume to gender the bear. <laughs> yes, he or she or they rose up, which was very scary, oh. and then just lumbered off the path and ate some more. And so, whenever I, I waited—I don't know how many minutes—but I was like, I feel like I'm okay now, and I walked. But the the best the one of the good ways to make sure that bears don't end up being aggressive with you is to not surprise them, which is what yes. I had done the first time coming around the bend. So you want to make noise while you're hiking. No, noise, yep. So the right. rest of that hike, I was insufferable. Bells. I was like, hello, bears, we're coming. <laughs> Please don't be surprised. I am in your habitat. I understand that you might be offended by that, but I don't want you to be taken aback when I come around this corner. Clapping. Could be, it could be like you could have had the bell. The bell would have helped. No, I was like the stepmom. Instead, you're um, talking. I was like the stepmom in a uh, Parent Trap when they tell her to clap the <laughs> the sticks everywhere to keep mountain lions away. Clack 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 clack. That was me. That's for 20 miles, Vic. Okay, 
that's 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 good. I'm well. I'm glad you were safe. I I do want to. I would do want a, a nice call out here. Uh, you and I had a lovely time on the Hugh Hewitt show. Oh my goodness, nicest dude day. that Hugh. Really, really great guy. And he had us on the show because his better half, the fetching Mrs. Hewitt, as he says, she's a fan. Amazing. Of getting hammered, and said you got to listen to this podcast. And he was like, well, why don't I just have them on the show? And he did. So thank you, Mrs. Hewitt, who apparently does not miss an episode, which means that makes her a bona fide Hammer, hammerhead. From the huh? very beginning. Okay. Love to have her. Thank I would, you. I would like to say thanks to the guys at Commentary Podcast who gave my story about my CNN employment a nice rundown on their podcast. Appreciate the kind words. Appreciate the support and excitement from everybody. Support on the employment front and excitement on the personal front about the pregnancy from everybody. It gets me through those sleepless nights when my stupid hips are hurting and I can't, oh. I cannot slumber properly anymore, Vic. At Much some like, point. You like sleep like on, a bear woken you, up in the winter, you're, okay? You're on your back, right? You have to sleep on your Is that how it works? You sleep no, on your back? No, you're not supposed oh, to be on your back. Oh, side. You Although, side. that's oh, mostly that's a myth. Not really that. It's that unless it's uncomfortable for you, it's not really damaging. It's like to the baby's baby. face down, baby's face yeah. up, and the whole thing in the crib. Yeah. Anyway, I'll be fine. You'll get through you, it. You're but strong. thank you for your kind messages. And that wraps up another <laughs> edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer at MK Hammer Time on the Instagram. And uh, thanks for being with us. Don't lie. That's just the general. The general thrust of my message today for both parties, for all the people. <laughs> this has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs>